Hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're going to be talking about Dukes Are Forever by Beck McMaster. This was just published in 2019 and is the fifth book in the London steampunk Blue Blood Conspiracy series. That's right. And you know we've been going through this entire series. If you want to read them, we highly recommend them. But you do have to start with the London Steampunk series before you plunge into the Blue Blood Conspiracy series. Uh, absolutely. This is, especially at this point, not one you can read out of order. No, absolutely not. All right. Should we read the book jacket? I think so. A compromising situation forced him into marriage, but has his wife been working for the enemy all along? In a steam-fueled world where vampires once ruled the aristocracy, the Duke of Malloran knows his nemesis, Lord Balfour, has finally returned to enact his plans of revenge. Malloran can trust no one, and when incriminating photographs surface, of an enemy agent stealing a kiss from his wife, he is forced to question just why his wife Adele trapped him into marriage. Is she an innocent pawn caught up in a madman's games, or is she a double agent working against him? The only way to discover the truth is to seduce her himself. Adele Hamilton may have agreed to a loveless marriage in order to protect herself, but that doesn't stop her heart from yearning for more. Her husband promised her a cold marriage bed. He swore he'd never touch her. But suddenly he's engaged in a campaign of seduction. And the only way to keep her wits about her is to fight fire with fire. The ruthless beauty has locked her heart away. But can she deny the passion that flares between them? And when the truth emerges, will she be the only thing that can save Malloran's life? Or the weapon? His enemy will wield against him. <laughs> I'm impressed that that this finished with three rhetorical questions. <laughs> it's everything Meg's ever wanted. <laughs> everything. <laughs> it's great. I think uh, my favorite thing about the book jacket is that this feels like the ending to the series that it was. It does. And I think one of the things I sort of have intermittently complained about, um, not, not I've liked the rest of the series, but through the rest of the series, is that the books felt like too much of the plot went to the building of the narrative arc and not mm -hmm. to the romance. This book does not have that problem. No. Nope. Because Malloran and Adele are all that's left, and this is ultimately Malloran's fight, like, this book is all them all the time in a way that, like, I really enjoyed. Mm hmm. But it also feels like it's really wrapping up the series, too. There were yes. cameos from almost every character that we saw, like, from the first series. Yep. There was no Blade, but he was majorly in the last book. So right. I was fine with that. But all the other col uh, characters appeared in this one. Yep. So it was I thought it was a really great conclusion to the entire series. Well, and like Lena and... Adele and their role as like preyed upon debutantes has been a through line from the very beginning. Mm hmm. It felt really good. I don't think she had this entire arc planned out when she started the first book, but it it felt organic. It felt like it really worked, in my opinion. Well, and especially the physical destruction. Yeah. Not to mention the final 
toppling of bad actors in society felt really cathartic. Yeah, I I loved it. I, I really liked this book. It was a great ending. I agree. All right. Well, as usual, we generated a random number between 1 and 50, and then we wrote our own summaries based on that random number. And for this episode, the number was 25. Uh, I'll go ahead and start with my 25-word summary. A spy is sniffing around your wife. Do you A, investigate her, B, freeze her out, C, seduce any info out of her, C, duh. 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 The duh is very important. It's very important. I had to rewrite my whole summary to make sure it was in there. The duh was a necessary point. Yeah. So mine. Adele accidentally-ish tricked Malloran into marriage, which was consistent for a man who has sworn off love and decided to be everyone's dad instead. Mm-hmm. I do. I actually really liked that about she did a really good job with Mallory's character. I'm going to be honest, really good job with it. She did. And actually what what something that I was sort of thinking about through the whole book is oftentimes when you have characters who are this late in the series with backstories as rich as these two characters have, who have experienced the abuse and emotional neglect these two characters have, a big part of their arc is rehashing the past to one another. And, like, finally coming to trust each other is to, like, delve into sort of the depths of their darkness. Mm -hmm. And this book didn't do that. They didn't bond. Like, they got revelations about each other's past, some more deliberately than others. But what brought them together was the way they tackled this problem together, not a rehashing of old wounds. And Mm -hmm. I thought that was actually really innovative in this genre in a way that, like, I thought was really cool. Mm -hmm. I liked it a lot. I really liked it. Tropes, kind of enemies to lovers. They're not They're not really enemies, but they've entered into a marriage where they have both explicitly said, there's no, there are no warm feelings. We're going to be estranged. Like, this is a marriage of convenience. He feels that she tricked him into marriage. Uh, that's it. So although they're not enemies, it has this enemies to lovers feel. So Adele is a fortune hunter, but not in the way we typically see. This Mm -hmm. isn't mommy and daddy forcing her to wed to save their fortunes. This isn't what Adele is seeking out is security. Mm -hmm. And it's not deliberate. So I don't feel like it's much of a spoiler because you know what happens in the first four books in this series. The Mm -hmm. only thing that this book is adding is context to her motivation. Um, so we know in an earlier book, Malloran describes the way they ended up together is she basically fl- came out of the bushes bleeding and visibly distraught right into his arms. And her timing was perfect for a bunch of people to walk out and catch her mm-hmm. there. And he very much assumed, one, that someone else did this to her and that she was very scared of that person, rightly, and she would never tell him who did it. But two, that her being caught with him in that moment was deliberate knowing his reputation and that based on the things he has said about the human cause that they would be forced to wed. Mm-hmm. You've, the perspective you get here is just how not premeditated that was from Adele. Right. That it was very much her desperately making 
decisions in a moment reacting to this trauma that had just occurred. Yeah. So it's like she went to that party or went into that season being like, I'm going to need a husband. It's that in that moment, she knew the only protection she could get herself was an honorable man when she realized the person she grabbed was Mallory. And she was like, fuck this. I am not correcting everyone's impression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was like, this was the best possible outcome for this situation. Like, she, she, it was serendipitous, but she wasn't about to be like, oh, no, it, it was this other guy. And it's, we have talked about this many, many times, but specifically with this series, about how in vampire romance, when someone sucks your blood, it's very sexual, right? It's a, it's almost a one-to-one metaphor, right? And. But the blood sucking in this series has plummeted. Yes. But what I think is interesting is how McMaster, I don't want to say she plays with this idea, but she plays up this metaphor. Mm -hmm. Uh, So basically they walk in on her having blood on her and thinking that Malloran is drinking her blood in a straight Regency romance. This would be, they walked in on them in a compromising situation or compromising position her bodice would have been ripped or something like that she would have been stuck in a couch (laughs) i mean that's one of them yes (laughs) but what what i think is interesting is that beckman master she embraces that she's not trying to draw a line between well there's there's sex and then there's the blood part even though they're they're explicitly connected and she's also like in society, if this guy drinks your blood, it's like you're kissing, and if you get caught, he's supposed to offer for you and marry you. And then later, too, so Adele has never had sex. She's a virgin. She's never been sexually assaulted, but she has been forced to give blood, right? She's been assaulted in that way, and McMaster treats it like a sexual assault, Right. I I just think it's very well done. She does a very good job with it. Absolutely. And I also think it's she has a very toxic family of origin leaning Mm -hmm. into another trope. And I think the way that her parents have sort of pushed her into these situations is very parallel to a fortune hunter being forced on the marriage mart by her parents. Yes, exactly. It's it just just really well done if you know historical romance tropes and then you read the va- vampire romance tropes overlaid on top very well done yes uh so this is one of my tropes that i'm starting to really like which i'm calling dick logic which is basically just <laughs> right this person the man who is portrayed as being very intelligent very subtle very smart makes the wrong decision because he just or makes a, a bad judgment call basically because he wants to bone his wife. She has a couple of moments of dick logic at the end too, though. It's true. It's true. They but. are. And, and it, look, a lesser writer, this is a lot of misunderstandings as like actual drama in a way that I usually hate, but I had a lot of fun with it here. Yeah. Well, and I think it helps that it didn't, it was resolved very quickly Right? Yeah, it, it wasn't the main conflict of the book and got drawn out. There wasn't like a third act breakup that lasted for three chapters. Oh, yeah, because the main conflict is uh, Malloran is not he's sworn off love. Yeah, he's not yes. capable of it. He's not interested in it. He refuses to be emotionally invested in anyone 
in spite of this massive found family they both have. We're going to talk at length about that because I think it's a very well done deployment of this trope. Fucking cracked me up. Yeah, I mean, it was funny and it was also well done and I didn't hate it the way I often hate it. Uh, Let's see. Another trope. Oh, hate sex. That's the whole beginning of this book. And it is, oh my God, so hot. Mm-hmm. I was like battening down the hatches. <laughs> I, I don't know if that metaphor makes sense here, but I was like, I was not ready for this to start mm-hmm. with like this very deliberate seduction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have to wait until we talk about sexiness, obviously, but it's going to be hard to wait because the book does not. Right. So their first three encounters are during the time when he still suspects her Mm -hmm. of and the sort of the immediate conflict when she figures out that he suspects her of working for the enemy. And it is. A lot of raging animosity between them, a lot of misunderstandings, a lot of lying to each other, but still being like. I cannot keep my hands off of you. One of the frustrating inconsistencies in this book is like when Malloran had self-control and when he didn't, Mm -hmm. I didn't care. Like, Mm -mm. was I like, was this internally consistent for his character? I don't know. Was it hot as hell? Yes, it was. Mm -hmm. I mean, it all has to do with the whole vampire trope of, right? Like the dark side. Which has gotten increasingly opaque. Yes. As the series has gone on. I felt like I understood the dark side with Blade. I do not anymore by Malloran. I don't, I don't even care though. That wasn't a criticism. It was a statement of fact. Well, I think what's interesting and I think does work is that the dark side is different for each vampire. Sure. And I think that's why it doesn't bother me that there are, there are big differences between how each person deals with right their dark side. Um, because Absolutely. it is like this person, it is like a psychological aspect and it's how do they deal with it and what, what their trauma is and all this stuff. And I, I, I don't know. So kill me. It, it works. It really works. It does. It's just, there have been a lot of specific men with thinly leashed, but usually impeccable control. And the degree to which they are in control of their dark side has varied mm-hmm. significantly. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Um, Okay, any more tropes? Carriage sex. Oh, yeah. We'll get there. I can't not mention it here, though. I'm contractually obligated based on that contract we don't have. (laughs) Right. That we Um, never saw three years in. (laughs) We we already said this, but, like, this book starts full-throttle sexiness. Like, they're already married. You already get a sense of their marriage from the past three books. Yep. Right. So you know that they're they have this like icy detente. You know that they have decided to live separate lives. And yet, you know, they're both very attracted to each other. Well, and, you know, she doesn't know the truth of what happened in Russia. Yes. That she thinks he's when he was in Russia being fucking tortured, that he was like fucking around with a Norwegian mistress. Yes. (laughs) And. I love that the book starts with Malloran seeing an incriminating photo of her embracing another man after he has told her that he's not going to fuck her. So if she wants 
if she wants sexual pleasure, she's going to have to find it herself. So he's given her permission to go outside the marriage. Yep. And yet he sees this photo and he doesn't, like, let's be completely honest. This is where the dick logic comes in. He does not care that this person is an enemy spy. I mean, he cares, but that's the dick logic part because he's like, oh, I had better go stop this relationship from happening because he's a spy. But really, we all know he's just jealous. Yes. Right? It was flawless. Flawless. And then also, like, what is the most logical conclusion here? That your wife, who has been completely fine with this, to your knowledge, completely fine with a bloodless, cold marriage where ships passing in the night, they don't see each other. She hasn't tried to, like, get into his business. He knows when she's, you know, looking around his stuff. Is it more likely that she tricked him into marriage so that she could get close to him and find out his secrets? Or is it more logical that this spy thinks, hmm, I want to know more about Malloran, so I'm going to seduce his wife? Well, and as she points out, she everything he knows about her character makes this the least likely cause she would ever participate in. Exactly. So, I mean, that's that's the thing. And this is, I do love his, how the dick logic takes over. Because he's just like, okay, well, I'm going to have to seduce her now to learn her secrets. Yeah, it was extremely fun. And extremely hot. Extremely hot. Yeah, also that one. Oh my God. Well, we'll These talk about it. These people don't know what to do with each other. And so they're, they just give in at the weirdest moments and it's really great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I also do like that. So it takes him about half of the book to realize that he was an idiot. But the majority of that half of the book is like really sexy sex. Really excellent choice by the author. I really can't stress that enough. Seriously. Like, th- this is not, we're not being ironic, truly inspired choice. Uh, and then very quickly, he's like, okay, I was wrong. I guess you can join my company of rogues. <laughs> and then he's pissed off that they take him, take her really, really, like, take her immediately. Yes. And he's like, this is some bullshit. I loved it. I loved it. I, I really loved this book. It it was really fun. And seeing them take to her, and especially the women. They have this, like, bonding session that's, like, so great. And and feels very realistic. Well, it's also been interesting to see over the course of this five-book arc, not just the, you know, identifying and taking down Balfour, but the way this has transformed from, like, a ragtag group of people who, like, trusted each other to a different level to a true found family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, it, it does feel like Adele is going to be the matriarch of it, which is fun. Yes. Here's the one thing I, that, like, really took me aback in this book. I did not picture Malloran as 34. <laughs> I totally pictured him as, like, not necessarily as old as Blade, because I knew he'd, like, taken over his mm-hmm. dukedom through, like, the narrative relatively young and relatively recently. But especially for a vampire, like, yeah. who they don't age normally and they get turned at, like, 16, 17. I was picturing him as, like, late 40s, like, little brunch daddy-ish. Him yeah. being, like, like, a little silver foxy. I I. Th- I didn't. I'm not sure if it's because I had already read it before 
or if I had paid like better attention, I knew that he was because he was besties with Leo Barons. Right. And he and Mina hooked up. Right. And so I think I assumed that they were like all around the same age. Oh, so that that to me wasn't a clue that they were all around the same age. Like, you know, Leo also overthrew his family in a really complicated way. Like I definitely saw like, although these two people would have hit it off and like, you know, Mina's hot and young and here's this relatively young by Duke standards, even if he's in his late forties. Yeah. Guy. I don't know. I was definitely like not prepared for him to be basically my age. I was like, this is not how I pictured this character. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's the problem with not problem, but that's the thing with getting older and reading historical romances because the characters tend to be younger, even the men. And like Sebastian St. Vincent is like 32. (laughs) See, I find that more believable. I think like the degree of cynicism and but also the paternal way that Malloran approaches everyone around him. Mm-hmm. He struck me as not just world weary and cynical, but also actually older. Sure. And actually more invested in the society that had been so fucked up and been overthrown. Yeah. 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 I see what you mean. Um, But it, on the other hand, it makes sense that he's younger because he is like, I don't want this like, he also has been burned by this aristocracy, right? Oh, no, absolutely. I, but I wanted him to have, like, fomented a real hatred for it while within it. Yeah, that's Over fair. a long, pe- longer period of time. Or at least, like, not wanted to. That's the wrong way. I assumed yeah. that about his character based on his behavior. Okay. Um, And then this is, this is the denouement for the entire series, which means that in addition to the romance and an overarching mystery... They foil a whole plot against the queen. It's great. Like, it's great. I loved it. (laughs) I am really glad you told me that we get more from the queen. Because this book has, like, a goodbye at the end of it. I know. And I was like, oh, my God. Alexandra needs some sort of not just a symbol, actual characterization, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Don't worry. There is a novella, which... Because I read this and I was like, oh, darn, like I, I wanted more. Uh, and I, I think she wrote it because the fans were like, we really want more. It's I just a novella, but it's great. that chorus. It's great. Um, I really like their equal opportunity rescuing. Mm-hmm. Because they they each rescue each other at several points throughout the book. He rescues her from this, like, vengeful vampire. She rescues him from, like, the person who gave him PTSD. I thought it was such a good choice. Right? Right? I wanted, I, I, this is the one I'd want to be a movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. There was just so many really cinematic and some of the plots have been really complicated in a way that Mm -hmm. I like actually struggled to follow myself. This one was not. No, 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 no. This was very like beat for beat action movie, sex romancey thing. And it was very well done. Mm -hmm. And I, I loved the fight at the very end too, because they each rescue each other like twice. (laughs) Well, and there's this moment that you will recognize from like horror, not horror action movie tropes where the main villain has, loudspeaker set up or some sort of decoy 
And that that gives the villain time to set up the perfect ending confrontation in the villain's mind. It was just really like cinematic. Oh, it's really good. It's really good. Okay. Should we talk about this first love related trauma? <laughs> I feel like this is a staple of historical romance. Okay. Because a lot so it, sometimes it's not even explained. The men are just like, I can't say I'm in love. Like, I can't be in love because it's weakness or whatever. But if it is explained, often it's because they had a first love who betrayed them or they had a first love who died or, you know, whatever. And they've decided that it just hurts too much and they can never fall in love again. Right, like, it's more about a fear of vulnerability and their own ability to be hurt, not about the other person or a situation external to them. Right. And in this case, it's basically the same trope, except that, like, I cannot blame Malloran for feeling exactly how he feels. So it turns out there are some very, there's some minor spoilers in here, okay? So we've known all along that he was in love with this woman named Catherine who was killed by Balfour. And this sort of, this started their, their, you know, what's uh, what's it called? Um, vendetta against each other. Okay. We learn in this book that not only was Catherine killed, she was pregnant with Malloran's kid. So, Okay. That was sort of implied in the last book when Malloran okay. figured out Ava was pregnant. You were like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that, so you kind of, it's confirmed here. And you're like, oh, dang. But then you also realize that, I mean, you you know that Gemma was chosen specifically because she looks like Catherine. Then you learn, we already knew that Balfour killed the Baroness who was Malloran's mistress, tried to kill Gemma, who's his, like, BFF. It's obvious that if he even begins to show any preference for his wife, that Balfour is going to want to kill her, too. So it's not just, I want to protect myself from laws. It's also, I need to protect my wife from being targeted by a serial killer. <laughs> Which, valid. Yeah. Like, he has evidence that this guy is actually doing this. It's not like, oh, I think this might happen. Like, no, it's already happened to two of the women that he loves. Yeah, and I think Adele also makes a good point where, like, he can't make that decision for her. And mm -hmm. this is where, like, the actual conflict in their relationship is. It's just, like, she can recognize that he's doing what he can to protect her and why, but... To her, the solution is open up, let me in. And it's obvious to everyone that this is already past the point where you can get away with protecting me. Your best bet is to involve me. But he mm -hmm. can't see it that way because he's got man problems. I mean, yeah, he has major. <laughs> Look, he... but I believe it. It's not just man problems. It's like trauma, you know, like I can't blame him. I cannot blame the guy. Can't blame him. No, and he does make like one mistake. And after that, he's like, oh, fuck. He's like, I fucked up. Like now Balfour's like really going to go for her and he's not just going to just kill her. He's going to like torture her in front of my face. Like he's his worst nightmare. So I cannot blame him. 
Definitely not. Um, one thing that I think would surprise people and maybe a little bit of a spoiler, but I want to talk about it. Um, but it's it's not a spoiler for what happens in the book. It's a spoiler for something that does not come up at all. Mm-hmm. She is not turned at the end mm-hmm. of this. She is never in mortal physical danger to the point that like turning her is the only way to save her life. They never have a conversation if being together means him turning her. I And I genuinely don't know if 10 years from now, 15 years from now, that's a conversation they're going to have or if Adele likes being human. Like it does not come up at all and I think so much of this book has been angsty oh my god I'm gonna die without you or you are turned against your will or at the very least like the Lark situation where like she was turned because she was dying mm-hmm. and I you know I, I and Lena you know becoming a werewolf without deliberation so I think having this book say, yeah, we're going to do a lot of the traditional tropey vampire things, but we're going to take out this most vital one, the concept of her mortality and say, this series has evolved beyond that. And I actually think that was a really fun choice. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And it's, I mean, hearkening back to previous episode, the one about the mech who loved me. Um, because I, when I first read it, I was like, oh wow, she's really going against the vampire grain. And then he gets turned at the end and you're like, oh, like I wasn't disappointed, but I was like, oh, it was a little more conventional than I expected. And it is also interesting in this book too, because um, there were two other previous books where the woman didn't get turned, uh, Blade's book and Lynch's book. In both of those cases, however, both Blade and Lynch are much older and are going to have about the same lifespan as their beloved and in Blade's case, he's drinking exclusively from, um, oh, I can't remember her name now. It's terrible. Honoria? Honoria. He's drinking exclusively from her, and she's been vaccinated <laughs> against the, the the craving virus, which also means that he's, like, becoming less powerful of a vampire. So, I don't know. I She's doing very interesting things with vampire lore, and I really like it. And... Each book gets more complex about it, uh, and each book, and yet it doesn't contradict what has come before. Like, she's just doing a really good job with it. But they're not repetitive. I feel like that is very difficult to have a series that's gone on this long about Supernatural that doesn't have every conflict boil down to, will he or won't he turn her? And the fact that she's done, or will he or she or won't she turn him? And the fact that she's done so many different things with it and it's never gotten stale is a real mm-hmm. point of pride, I'm sure, for Beck McMaster. I totally agree. All right. Uh, content warnings. There's a lot of violence in this book. I mean, for me, the one I'd specifically call out is you get a more graphic description of her assault. In this one, and as Meg pointed out at the very beginning of this episode, even though it is not a sexual assault, it is clearly meant to evoke those feelings. Yes. So there's that. There's also, like, it. she does fall a little bit into that trap where the good guys are like, oh, well, we have to torture this person because we just have to. On the one hand, like, I never love that. Like, that's not appropriate. <laughs> it's not appropriate. <laughs> okay, torture is bad. Don't torture people. On the other hand, 
they're vampires and the, there's a scene where where uh Malorin literally rips open a guy's chest and is holding his heart in his hand and he's like oh they're like please don't kill him and i was like wait he's not dead yet and he's like i could crush your heart but i'm not going to and he comes back from this and i'm so like on the other hand it's like okay you can actually like have your hand inside someone's chest cavity about to crush their heart but they still live so anyway that's in there so there's torture there's violence there's gore it's a lot of blood there's always blood yeah i mean i think we go vampire trope amp up the torture because of Malloran's past amp up the violence and vindictiveness because this is the end of it and a lot of people gotta die and yeah. amp up her as a human who has been bartered around in society forever and there's a lot of parallels, if not explicitly troubling things. Yeah. That said, like, if you have read the entire series and you liked it, like, this book is nothing new. Okay. I don't right, think let's you talk about... like, at 15, this doesn't raise, book 15 doesn't raise the stakes on this. If you've gotten through the first right. 14, you'll be fine. Right. I mean, there weren't 14, were there? No, there was like nine, 10. This is the 10th book. I thought this was the third series in the Blue Bud. Second series. So the problem is that I don't know how many we've read. It's fine. I'll, <laughs> this I'll is the tenth. Moving on. This is the tenth and a half. So we did read a, a Christmas novella. <laughs> okay, let's talk about sexiness because um, this book is real sexy. I don't know what to do with my hands. So like... Maller in the first chapter, Malloran's like, yeah, the best way to figure out what's going on with my wife is to seduce her. And Gemma is even like, she's like, really? She's like, that's like not your strength. And he's like, watch me. <laughs> and then for the next half of the book, he, number one, finger bangs her in a carriage. Number two, goes down on her after he ties her to the bed. With his tie. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Let's crap. And then they actually bang on the desk in his office. After she has thrown things at him. Like, it's one of those actual moment of violence turns to sex. Yeah. Like, she's, she's like, throwing everything in the office at him. He's catching it or dodging it. And then he finally, like, corners her up against the bookcase. And she's like, how do I get out of this? I know. I'll kiss him. Where is the problem? There's no, like, there is no problem, Lane. There is absolutely no problem with that. Whew. I mean, that first half of this book is like, oh, my God, like, I can't catch my breath. Well, and I think it was fun because so often when you have the male character who can't admit that he's in love, by virtue of that, there is no physical intimacy. And mm -hmm. the fact that they were, like, the first half of this book is they definitely aren't exploring feelings for one another on a surface level but these moments of extreme heat are still happening in that animosity oh like it was not what i was expecting but it felt really believable mm -hmm. no absolutely absolutely um after that it actually slows down a little bit on the sex front but it picks up on the plot front so it Again, it felt believable and it furthered the romantic conflict, in my opinion. So while it would have been great for them to just bang through the whole book, 
it was okay that it happened here. I will say I wanted a more explicit scene the night that she's first in disguise and they're like, this is our last night. Because mm -hmm. at that point, almost everything has been resolved, especially between yeah. men. It would have been a really fun sex scene. It would have been the sex scene after the moment. And you know they have sex, so why not just put it on the page? Like, I didn't understand the choice to fade to black there. Yeah. I mean, I can't. I can't disagree with you. I cannot disagree with you. That would have been awesome. There is another extremely sexy scene where she ties him to a chair. So... It was very sexy. I think my big complaint with that last sex scene that didn't happen is also there was a through line that there was going to be a sex scene where she was dripping in diamonds that never yes. happened. And that last sex scene would have been a really good moment for that. Like, yes. don't promise me diamond sex and not deliver. I eat. Mm, you are 100% correct. Like, it ha It should have been like, this is the that book by Lisa Kleypas, Suddenly You. Where, remember, he does, like, basically fuck her with just a necklace on. Remember that? That would have been the perfect, perfect time to deploy that one. But um, this book was great. Really great ending to the series. Yeah, I, I was, I'm, I am often let down by last books and series, just being honest. Like, you feel like there are too many open plot threads or that things didn't get resolved to your satisfaction or that, you know, the characters are sacrificed in the name of some grand finale and none of that like this is a perfect finale it's, it's the perfect finale for a romance series it's really great and when oh my gosh when um garrett comes down and he, he has his new arm oh my gosh i loved it i was like oh this is and like it's the perfect cameo because of course he showed up then duh i loved it i loved it oh my god so if you can tell, we definitely recommend checking out this book. Yeah, check out this book. I mean, check out this whole series. It, it's such, if you like historical romance and you like paranormal romance, this truly, I think, is the best marriage of those two things that I have read. So, yeah. Um, we would love it if you check us out or on the internet. Uh, anywhere you can find Plattress, Goodreads, Instagram. And our email address is plattress at goodreads.com if you have any thoughts you want to share with us. No, it's plattress at gmail.com. What did I say? You said goodreads.com. That's not a thing, so you know I was lying. <laughs> so, yes, plattress at gmail.com. Um, we would love to hear from you. 